Okay, you should start this one. No, God, why? Um, I did the last one. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. That's like my kids arguing about who's taking the bins out last. This isn't a chore, by the way. <laughs> I just... How do they get out of it? Do you just, are you authoritarian <laughs> mum? Yeah, that? they totally don't get out of it. Are you kidding me? It's like the one job they have. It's a stinky job, though, isn't I mean, it? That's why it's, it's their a job. stinky job. <laughs> oh, there's the squeaky chair. I told you it was oh, a squeaky chair. Oh, it's a really chair. squeaky chair. <laughs> no, this is good. Oh, I've got, oh, I've got one, too. Um, <laughs> we're, we're in a secret location, aren't we? Quite secret, indeed. Yeah. Um, we've already done, we've already covered Bletchley Park. We can't pretend we're in Bletchley Park, but we are. That would have been amazing. Listeners, we're in the same room. Every so often, accidentally, I bump into Becky in the street when I'm trying to avoid her. Um, <laughs> you did not look like you were trying to avoid me sitting outside my building. That's true, actually. <laughs> you looked like you were stalking me. You so t- the opposite, actually. You can take the girl out of intelligence operations. <laughs> You it was the stop us It was the fact people. that you were Google dorking with my name on your laptop. That's what really led me to make that. The listeners may be increasingly led to believe that we haven't got anything prepared and we haven't got a guest. And 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 Beck, um, what was the question again? <laughs> They'd be absolutely right, wouldn't they? We have, you know, we. Overwhelmed as we were. It's been busy. Overwhelmed as we were by the appearance of True that. his rickness. His rickness. Last time. <laughs> it's taken us a couple of weeks to recover. Uh, um, I'm still not fully recovered, actually. I still am haunted by Hundo P. Hundo P. <laughs> I think we are going to have to create the, the Becky Pinkard Hundo oh. P meme. Oh, my God. I just want my own T-shirt Ooh, now. Oh, listeners. <laughs> you know how we did the caption competition? <coughs> Sorry. I um we did the caption competition, didn't we? Yeah. And I was conscious that we didn't give anybody <laughs> we any never prizes. Awarded a winner. So uh, we'll resurrect that. That's important. And then also Must let's do let's do the the strongest Hundo P meme for <laughs> Cyber Warrior Princess. Nothing offensive, mind. We've got to be kind. That's right. We have to be cautious to be of kind. the cautious of the kiddies as well, in case we have any of those as, in, oh, there aspiring. Some, there were some slightly rude people weren't there on the caption competition <laughs> slightly but then also a high percentage it's not a very scientific sample but a high percentage of potter themed responses there's nothing wrong with that so somebody needs to do a phd on the influence of harry potter and jk rowling oh, on information it. security i love it the extension of the potterverse into our digital lives a thesis by Becky Pinker. <laughs> <laughs> that you've always got to have. It's a two-part title, isn't it? For any any research, oh, the colon right. in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Like, so I think you've got that. This is know. why I'll come to you whenever I get ready to write such <laughs> material. <laughs> don't. And uh, yes, and if you don't mind, I'd like you very much to not ask me how the book's going. I think that's. <laughs> Go on. You know you want to tell us how the book's going. No, I, I've written something. Page one. It was a dark and stormy night. I really hope my publisher's not listening to this. No, I've done some. I've done a little bit of analysis. I'm having to learn about lots of things that I was saying to you earlier when we were in another secret location. They sounded really exciting. Those things. I'm having. I'm having to learn about lots of things that. 
I, I, I did security. I have done security as a practitioner for a, quite a long time. <laughs> I think I know the business of security operationally. And then all of a sudden you have to learn about security theory. Yeah. And you realise that what you've, what you've been doing is a post-structuralist neoliberal realist approach <laughs> to security and you had no idea you that it had a theoretical just name making for it. words up no, well i they're they're all different theories but i may have cobbled them together See, a little i bit, know you so. all have to call your bluff on that some of our listeners are now furiously googling all of those words are correct <laughs> but as eric morcom once said i am playing all of the right notes just not necessarily in the right order <laughs> so <laughs> this so, so that's I've got a lot of reading to do to learn what it is that I've actually been doing for the last 15 years. So I have a secret to tell you, right? So whenever I... Uh, you do know you're not just telling me, don't oh, you? right. Dear listeners, you as well. So whenever I worked for the Sands Institute, that's pretty much how I did my entire career of instructing with them, is first I would learn the material. Oh, yeah. And then I would go and teach the material. It's a really great way to become a security practitioner, I found. Yeah. I, I once became an expert on Roman dining um, in, in exactly that way because I had to teach a course at university. And for those of you who were my students at Nottingham University, I can only apologise. I was not the most expert at this at the time. I was filling in for someone who was poorly and I suddenly had to... It was art and archaeology and visual imagery and stuff, Roman dining. And that's your excuse and you're sticking to it. Yes, yeah, so I can tell you all about how the Emperor Tiberius terrorised the people who came for dinner. I, okay. I don't think I want to know about that right now. No, Maybe it later. might not be entirely <laughs> safe for the children. You, you did, though. Let me just bring us full circle on this, because you did make me realize that I think we should probably wrap it up to our listeners and, and help them to understand the fact that by both of us now sharing the fact that we have literally learned things, mm. because we knew that, number one, we had a job to do, or number two, a job we wanted to do, and knew that we didn't have enough information to do it, we still tackled it. Oh, so absolutely. And this is something that we see again and again on LinkedIn. People post these huge things about um, the qualifications you need to have and the learning you need to have in order to get a career in cybersecurity. Yeah, it's complete this is nonsense. Not absolute nonsense. Nonsense. You, of course, you need to show an aptitude for the general material and you need to be able to show that you can learn but you absolutely the main thing that you can bring is an ability to learn on the job i agree and i i I would add to that right if you have passion for what you're doing so if you're truly excited about learning about cybersecurity, that's the number one skill you need yeah and then if you i don't know are you good at putting puzzles together you know come on in Mm. my my favorite um thing is if you're really good at putting puzzles together that are of the sky with no corners Oh, yes. <laughs> You're perfectly placed to come and do security. That's 99% of the projects or, or, I get pulled into. Or a load of sand. <laughs> yes. The really sandy beach that's mostly just sand. Yeah, just a city. Again, no corners, because that's cheating in security. <laughs> and, and I can't remember if we talked about this last time, so apologies. We, there is a fair chance we're going to start repeating ourselves. Well, I, I know I already have. So, yeah. so I am more and more interested in people with linguistic ability. Oh. And I've been talking to lovely Jane Franklin and other leading Hi, women Jane. Who, and, who have these thoughts about you know, what the cybersecurity industry needs yeah. and recruitment and things like that. Um, and I was asked about my background and I said, well, I did language and linguistics. And um, what was your PhD on? And I was asked, well, I was kind of, I was translating Latin 
interpreting it, putting it back together again, and then telling people what I'd found. And they said, oh, so kind of deciphering and decoding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so kind of decrypting things. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And you, you just don't realise that when you're looking for patterns, you're looking for anomalies, you're yeah. looking for, you know, stuff. And now what I do in my research, going now I've gone back to languages and, and rhetoric, is I'm looking for the stuff that jumps out. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking for the anomalies and the and the extraordinary things, yeah. the peculiar things. But I think it is that ability to, to, to spot those things and to know the difference when, okay, here's a thing that matters, here's a thing that doesn't matter, or here's a thing that's worth more exploration or more research. I certainly um, I developed that capability and that skill in particular through all of my years doing um, security operations and, and building SOCs and, and log analysis and stuff like that. And that's a skill that is that has served me so well across all facets mm. of security because again it's about not being afraid to ask questions which is yeah. something I'm harping on big time lately yeah. Yeah. it's like yeah. please just ask the question you know if you don't know odds are someone else doesn't know and they're too yeah. scared to ask <laughs> but then to combine that yeah with with this um and I don't think it has to be an innate ability. Like, you know, some people are born singers. I don't think you have to be a born sort of like log analysis looker at her. <laughs> but I think you have to have that sort of curiosity and passion that gives you the attention span necessary to do some of that sort of digging through. But work. equally, it's back to your point about learning on the job as well. You don't, you know, you become more expert at seeing those anomalies and those suspicious events because you've been exposed yes. to a ton of this material yeah. and a ton of yeah. this data. And those people that gain that sixth sense, if you like, yeah. that, that knows for something that isn't quite right, yeah. that is from being exposed to That's tons true. and tons of this stuff. And you have to give yourself that time to gain that experience. So I've worked with people, and, and actually this just happened a few weeks ago. I was uh, working on something, and there was a particular, what was the field? I was actually, I got stuck into a log, because I still love log analysis. She and loves log analysis. I do. I tweeted about it even. But there was something, there was a, a field that popped out at me, and it hadn't been explored. I can't remember now what it was. It was like HTTP error codes or something stupid mm. like that had been captured. And I was like, ooh, what does this say about, you know, the plethora of logs that we're looking at? And it hadn't been looked at to that point. And so, but for me, it was because of the experience that I'd gained in terms of where is a pivot that we can use in this body of knowledge. And you can't beat yourself up if you don't know that or haven't thought about that. Some of it is experience, I think, like we're talking about. I think some of it also is down to the diversity of thought and background yeah, that you bring to the table. Absolutely. Oh, I love tying things back to absolutely. diversity and inclusion. You yeah, know? yeah, But that's yeah. such a great example of it. Mm. And um, you've made me think about you know when you're looking at technical data or metadata that's one thing when you're, you're doing log analysis but also I, I see something similar in terms of suspicious content mm. right so I've been doing talks over the last few weeks and I'm, I'm kind of getting another one together next week all about civil society engagement in fighting cyber attacks so you know how do we get ordinary people on the street to engage with cybercrime prevention because you know we've talked about this all the time you know yeah. the, the, the faceless guy in the hoodie with the cascading torrential rain of zeros and ones I genuinely think that's alienating people and it's not empowering them to feel that so they can cool. do anything about <laughs> cyber security right so so how do we engage the the quote unquote ordinary person on the street or the nanas and granddads yeah. particularly yeah. because of the, the vulnerabilities to for instance sharing fake news as that study found last year that mm. you know over 65s 
were, were the most likely to share fake news in relation to the 2016 US election. Yes. Yeah. So we've got to, you know, we shouldn't, inclusion is really important. We shouldn't be leaving anybody behind mm-hmm. and assuming, oh, well, those folks are going to die. We'll just, you know, natural wastage. Oh, old people are going to die. We're, you know, kids are going to be much mm. more up on this as they become adults. Because actually, um, you and I are going to be the adults that are completely out of touch with everybody. <laughs> with should, everybody should be afraid after that statement. I know exactly. <laughs> um, so you know, so my my new phrase is "leave no one behind." Yeah. You know, to use the kind of the pseudo military analogies that we get all the time in, yeah. in cyber, we absolutely shouldn't be leaving anybody behind. But then, when you start to look at what makes up suspicious content, yes, there's a certain amount you can do with things like eye tracking to encourage people to look at message headers. Yes. Yeah. You know, and scrutinize URLs. Yeah. You know, is that two Vs or a W? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Etc. Um and, and you know, there are there are some good things you can do to train people to do that. But I was asked the other day, what what makes you think a piece of content or a, a or a an email, some contact is suspicious oh. and what makes you think it's legit and yes. I actually had a situation um with so so I've I've got kind of two people in my family that I think are a, a good litmus if you like so we've got my mother-in-law she's in her 80s she's really really engaged because she's got great grandkids on Facebook <laughs> and stuff yeah. and so she's really really engaged in in using the tech yeah. but as I might have mentioned before she will share all the spam that's going around not not the fake news stuff but you know i bet no one will post oh, yeah, this share yeah, yeah. if you agree share if you remember yeah, when yeah, yeah. everybody leave their everybody could leave their front doors open and, you know <laughs> so and and so it's the, it's trusting yeah. that everybody else on the platform <laughs> is is cool and they're not trying to and 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 quite rightly not being au fait with the fact that sometimes spam is just there to clog up the system and just be mildly irritating to mm. everybody mm. And, and then contrast that with my mum, a policeman's daughter, who is so suspicious of everything she receives, that actually she doesn't spot when things are legit. Oh, really? So when people are trying to contact her for business stuff, yeah. she will, and, and I'm glad she does this, yeah. she'll immediately come to me and say, so I received this message. <sighs> Actually, you know, I think that is someone who just wants to get in touch with you. Yeah, yeah. that's brilliant. <laughs> cool that you're cautious. But so what we've done, you know, my mum's in her 60s, so slightly younger. But what we've done is we've created these these polar opposites, if you like, yeah. by not engaging with older people. Yeah. We've got people who are too scared and are potentially missing out on opportunities. And then we've got people who are, you know trusting as they would be in the street you know so we absolutely have to engage but then you know when people ask me well because you know my mum said to me but how how could you tell that that bit of contact was legit yeah and I had to be totally honest with her and say well I don't know yeah but I've been exposed I suppose to so many of these spam messages or you know um, slightly spooky shady messages that there are certain things that you look for. So I did, you know, back in the day, I did some linguistic analysis. Yeah. You know, you look for the things that look like um, non-native English, yes. for instance, in yeah. your, the old kind of 419 emails and stuff. 
And there are very specific things that you can look like. But they're getting at, so you know. much better at that stuff now. Ex- yeah, well. of course they are. You know? And then and then we get into the whole conversation about AI as well, which is that's a double edged sword, right? Because we're getting used to bots mm-hmm. and chat bots for legitimate services yeah, yeah. that aren't always grammatically or syntactically or you know, don't have perfect spelling. Yeah, and we're okay with that because we're it's okay our service with that, that we, yeah, give so, me my airfare or whatever. Exactly, so does that lower our guard yeah. to, you know, other potentially suspicious contacts where they don't have perfect oh, I love this though language. because this, this is tying back to something. I just had a conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about the evolution of our understanding of ourself in the physical realm to mm-hmm. the digital realm and the fact that people have an expectation of privacy in the physical realm but they don't naturally and automatically translate that same expectation into their self, their digital right. self. And of course, I know you get into this with all the work that you do in virtual yeah. reality and extended reality yeah. and stuff. Um, but I love that concept whenever you think about an extension of someone's digital self through Facebook or through, I don't know, LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. And like for me, for example, I've been very conscious about creating very specific sort of well as specific as I can but around the personas that I would attach to what I would do on LinkedIn versus what I would do on Twitter and what fascinates me is that some people like your mom or like your nana for example you know they don't necessarily think about it in that same context what they Mm. I think see is just a a tool to use and they don't see it as an extension of self into the digital realm and um, I just I'm fascinated by that whole concept and and I see that of course that's where we're going because younger folks I think a a lot of them anyway grasp that concept Mm -hmm. and use that concept to their benefit I think a lot still don't (laughs) at least based on some of the stuff I see but yes you've touched on a a really important point I think that's coming to the news this week because you know that they've been using, um, well, there's been some controversy around the use of facial recognition right, right, right. by police and by private entities around the country. And Cressida Dick, the Metropolitan Police Commissioner, yeah. she gave a speech this week um, where you know she said that actually facial recognition, will, it, it needs to be used if it means that we can solve some serious crimes. Right. But she used the comparison, which I think is the wrong comparison. She said, well... In the digital age, people are quite happy to share images of themselves on Facebook and Instagram. Mm. So why wouldn't they be happy having their images collected and run through AI? She's missed a really important point here, which is about consent. Uh, Exactly. You choose to share your images. You might not think fully about how those might be used or the privacy settings or anything like that. Um, but you choose Mm -hmm. whereas if you're walking around a city and your face is being run through a database Mm -hmm. you have not given explicit consent for that I think that though isn't that the age old sort of law enforcement take on you know you're putting that out there therefore that means that it's ripe for the taking so that's at least in my limited non-law enforcement based understanding but that's sort of an age-old take on that type of information if you're sharing it therefore you must be okay with my taking it and using it yeah and i think to a certain extent that you know if you're sharing it publicly so if you share an image with every single other person so by going out in public with your face you're sharing your face so that's i think that's where it doesn't necessarily work right so uh, uh, and it questions the whole basis for CCTV in a way that it, it, in a way it's kind of attuning 
all of us to the fact that people have been filming us for years. Oh, yeah. Well, when I first moved over here, I mean, that was the thing I noticed straight away is the CCTV sort of, um, it's everywhere, ubiquitous. Ubiquitous or pervasive. <laughs> I, liked, I like the word pervasive. I've been reading a lot about pervasive threats nice. this week. I like it. CCTV yes. could be seen as a pervasive threat. Yes, it depends. Or ubiquitous. It's definitely ubiquitous. 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 There we go. I feel like Elmer Fudd sometimes. Can I just say? <laughs> it's a lovely Latin word that you've stumbled over. Oh, for over. Pete's sake. Yes. Ubique. Ubique means everywhere. That sounds like something my two-year-old says. I didn't know he spoke Latin. Ubique. <laughs> I bet I, I can teach Latin. I've been trained to teach Latin. Now's when you should tune out, listeners. <laughs> I've forgotten how to do it, so you're all safe. But I did once train to teach Latin. So we we had a little uh, we had a little thing, didn't we, about some of the news stories this week? Yeah. So we thought we we might pull some some surface some things, as we say in the business. And I can see you're you're ready. You've got one. Well, to I, this this was one that I had shared. So uh, yeah, was uh, extremely sad and um, to to hear about Catherine Johnson's passing. Um, she had a good life, though, bless well, her. Well, I know, in in hundred and one, so you know, fantastic. Well, I mean, I don't know how good her life was back in the day. NASA maths one hundred and one. Yeah, I like to, it. To have been, to have been, you know, involved there, and and to have been part of what she was, just phenomenal. The thing that I had shared whenever I read the story, and 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 then uh, I just reshared a link I'd seen and reshared it on Twitter, but. I was saddened by the fact that I only actually knew about her when mm-hmm. I saw the movie Hidden Figures. Yeah. And of course the movie is based as they are loosely, right, on And I haven't happened, seen the movie because as you know I don't engage with popular culture. <laughs> but you should see it. It's really I know really I must good. do. I yeah. must do. But but what it does is it, it was just such a great remind the movie is such a great reminder of the fact that so many people worked behind the scenes and never got the appropriate credit, mm-hmm. you know, for what they did. Um, and, and, and there's so many instances of this and I know we could sit here and do a whole podcast just on women that we've now learned about you know for yes. example um, people of colour you know that yeah. have also um, helped uh, gay people as well I mean, oh I'm looking at this you've got a lovely photo up of Obama giving her the Presidential Medal of Freedom in yeah, 2015 and nice? it's no coincidence is it that no. it was Obama that no. gave it to her it was brilliant oh I'm sure it was yeah he, he would have probably been involved in the decision to do so but uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic that she was still alive when she received it. And I just love that look on her face as well. It makes me feel quite emotional, actually. I know. <laughs> I mean, I am a big softie anyway. Don't tell anybody. But um, yeah, that that look to me says it all, you know. I'm and, not uh, a space scientist. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> So this is the first time that I've encountered the phrase orbital mechanics. Well, it makes me think of eyeballs, but then I knew it had to oh, do with yeah. it had to do with NASA, yeah. so it couldn't be about eyeballs. <laughs> so my smallest and tallest brother, who's doing is not uh, not the gymnast then. Not that one. No, he's he's the he's the shortest. He's, he's the shortest. <laughs> Sorry about that. Was a bit rude. Um, you said smallest and tallest, so I figured shortest would play in there somewhere. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> So my <laughs> shortest but strongest, my, my bounciest. Oh goodness, I'm confused now. Anyway, and, and and I'm confused enough as it is when we start talking about orbital mechanics, right? Because so so the 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 smallest but tallest, he's doing his PhD in fluid dynamics. Wow! Right? But he did theoretical physics. Jeez! And it's only because of having a small, tall brother who's done theoretical physics that I can tell you. 
that it is perfectly possible, as was the case with Catherine Johnson, that you can be both a mathematician and a physicist. Ah. And undoubtedly, if there are mathematicians and physicists listening to this, they will now be screaming at well, us and saying, well, I'm a pure mathematician. It doesn't mean anything to me at all. So <laughs> There's a lot of maths in physics, apparently. That's that's what I've learned. So people like Richard Feynman, they, he, was, he was a mathematician and a physicist. And I see. Is this, this is normally a case of never the twain shall meet. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's a little bit... I don't know. I, it's a bit like saying I'm a classicist, but also a security practitioner. You kind of are, I thought. I know. It's a bit It's a bit <laughs> cheeky, though. What am I trying to do? Well, I don't know. We're completely straight into territory that I don't have even a tiniest leg to stand on, so we'll just but let just, that lie. Just absolutely <laughs> excellent, and at the, the risk of being a little bit crude, absolute badass Catherine Johnson. Uh, Maximum I- respect. I have to agree. Complete and total badass and phenomenal, phenomenal lady. And sad to see, uh, sad to see her passing. But yeah, so uh, Catherine Johnson, wherever you may be now, uh, we honour you and we thank you. Oh, I hope someone's going to, if they haven't already, because they might have already. I hope someone's going to name a star after her or something on Shooter into Space or that would be amazing. Both of some those kind options, of I would some think. kind of some kind of appropriate <laughs> tribute. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see a follow-up. We need to pay close attention to yeah. the story as it evolves. If we could just find like, an entirely new constellation, I think that would be appropriate, wouldn't it? Um, so moving from the sublime to the slightly ridiculous, starving pets. Oh, come on now. That story was... That story. So we, we have Technically Holly. not cybersecurity. No. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, but just imagine if people wanted to do it deliberately. And exploit a vulnerability. So we have, like we have insulin super pumps, insulin pumps, but for your pet. Yes. Well, kind of. <laughs> physical impact. You know, I'm all about the physical impact. And um, so Holly Brockwell, um, massive fan, Holly, um, surfaced this on, surfaced this, oh God, See, we get into I've a loop, don't you we? now. I infected you. This is going to be this episode's Hundo P, Hundo isn't P. it? Hundo <laughs> P. Um, the um, IoT pet feeder oh, that's man. supposed to automatically feed your pets. Oh, but but some pets have been going for food with, you know, going without food for a week. Oh, just just horrific. And Holly, who is the owner of Furious Maud, if you haven't checked out Furious Maud on Twitter, you need to. Um, gives Grumpy Cat a run for its money. Certainly, Grum- Grumpy Cat's passed away. You I know. know. Well, though, Fu- Furious Maud is the natural inheritor. <laughs> um, so, Holly rightly points out why are pet owners leaving pets for a week without food anyway, assuming relying on a on machine a machine to feed. Yeah, fair days. But if you're a cat owner, surely this is one of the primary reasons you invested in a cat. What, so that you could buy an IoT feeder? Well, no, so that you could leave it to fend for itself periodically and not oh. have to pay someone to sit it. I don't know. I'm not a cat owner, but I've just I've, I've heard that tossed around. I still think you should get a cat. Don't to- Do not toss cats around. <laughs> I did not say toss cats around, Jesus. You know, you know when they have... Is it, is it also an, a US idiom or is it just a British idiom when you go into a small room and you say, well, there isn't enough room in here to swing a cat? Someone actually used that a couple of weeks ago and I was like, no, 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 we don't. No, no we don't do no, that. No, 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 let's not say so that. I, if any listener, well, if any of the five of you know where that comes from, we'd be really, really interested to hear from you in, on Twitter because who's swinging cats? 
Stop it. It's it's gonna it's clearly so old. It will be so old that it will have been forgotten how it originated and, and it's just gonna be a bit of Oh I thought answer. you meant the cat. The cat we swing the so old. old cat. It's now a stuffed cat. To see if it's still alive. In honorarium. <laughs> stuffed cat. <laughs> We've oh, really strayed. Gee. We've strayed. We have stray cat. <laughs> It's swingers. No. This is why we have to get Hey-o. guests. This is why we have to get guests, Vic. Anyway, so no, but the, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back. I'm okay. resting it bring, back. Bring it back. But I do think it's a great example. If people really are leaving yeah. cats and going, well, you've got a week's worth of food and and the there's, gizmo there's your will water feed dish. You. Don't dump it out. The gizmo, <laughs> like last time. <laughs> oh, it's what I've got in my head now is the, the cat with the paw going. See this thing that you see your smartphone on the table. It's going on the floor, pal. <laughs> Swipe, swiping it on the floor. <laughs> that's that's the cat just just sealing its own fate. I once stayed at a friend's house because I do have friends. <laughs> Remarkable after some of these stories, but <laughs> okay, was, we'll trust you on that. I stayed at a house and I stayed in there. I was slept on the floor in their dining room. <laughs> As you do at your friend's house. And the cats... Well, this was this was before I was particularly grown up and I had, like, you know... I stayed with friends who had bedrooms. So when you were seven? No. I was probably about, I don't know, late 20s or something. Oh, shut up. I'm just messing with you. Anyway, I've just, Look, I have... This is why we can't do these in person I anymore. I know. So, um, yeah, we need that delay and the impersonality... It's kind of the technical distance. Um, so anyway, and I was woken up in the middle of the night by this meow. Oh no. Meow. Oh no. And the cat had woken me up just so that I could watch it <laughs> knock my phone off the dining table. <laughs> meow. Back to where the paw. Yeah. You're awake now. See this? Smack. <laughs> that's brilliant. I love it. That's, that's cats to a T though, isn't it? Dropped it on the floor and then went, <laughs> to say right show's over That's go back to sleep go back to sleep <laughs> don't worry though I'll wake you up shortly <laughs> just like, what are you going to do pick it back up again um, uh, what else have we got oh so wait a minute can we talk about then uh, since we're talking about um, oh um, yes the, the, the articles that we've enjoyed so the, the one I literally saw as we were getting ready to start the podcast was Kate uh, oh Fluffy T yes Kate lovely you really Kate. wanted me to say her I surname did, I didn't you <laughs> Sorry about that, Kate. Totally massacre it from the American perspective. <laughs> Sorry, Kate. I do try. Um, but so I really like the article, though, about the Clearview AI company. Cracking piece in Forbes, yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> I love just the, the title alone is brilliant. Eye-catching, isn't it? Clearview AI, the company whose database has amassed 3 billion photos, comma, hacked. Yes. Brilliant. So we're back to we're back in the kind of facial recon space as well, aren't uh, we? Clear that's right. Back around to Clearview AI full circle. The thing though that I loved about the article, right, is so they talk about uh, Kate talks about and uh, has has done a great write up here talking about, you know, look, entire customer list has been part of this information that's been stolen, includes multiple law enforcement agencies. The quote uh, is this might be the quote of the year so far. I mean, it is only February, but to me, the quote and this is from <clears throat> I won't name names a firm's attorney, uh, this quote I love. I feel so sorry for lawyers. I know, right? We'll put a lawyer up. They're a bad bad (laughs) rap. But this quote is, unfortunately, data breaches are part of life in the 21st century. (gasps) Come on, Matt. Is that where we're at now, though? Is that Now, keep in mind, in about two weeks, I'm doing a talk at the Cloud and Cybersecurity Expo, and the talk is on breach normalization. I think I've got now the quote. That's a plug. That's a plug. I've got... 
it could be a plug. But I've got the quote now for my talk. I'm totally putting that at the front of my talk. <laughs> so I'm... So if we take his quote out of context, completely out of context, away from this breach story... Yes, yes. Yes, I agree. What it isn't is a suitable defence for a screw-up. <laughs> so I agree on both parts. The, the first part, right, about it being, a, a, um, a, I guess, a correct quote. Yeah. It's shocking. It's a little bit shocking. So this person is not someone that works in cybersecurity. I mean, he's an attorney, I guess, dealing with technical issues. He clearly is an attorney for a technical company. Um, but not does not work in cybersecurity. I'm assuming is not some sort of like data scientist. Well, because we something. don't let people who actually work in cybersecurity make public statements. <laughs> back. That'd be ridiculous. Keep them behind the lines. Um, but what fascinates me is that you know this particular uh, attorney individual, yeah, has has put the sentiment out there, and and so as I would I would assume as a fairly normal then non-security user person yeah it will it his mindset me, is, is in that space it reminds me a little bit of some of the department of homeland security talk about you know there's only two types of company the ones who've been hacked and the ones who don't know they've been hacked yes, you know it's yeah. that kind of spiel isn't it and and it does to a certain extent emblematize the um you know the feeling that we've talked about before which is moving from that control base to risk based security so you know recognizing that there are going to be lots of risks there're going to be lots of threats it's how you manage yeah. that and there's no such thing as absolute security yeah. so i know we've we've moved towards that but and i don't and and to be fair you know we don't know the full statement from this guy so you know we do know the rest of the statement that says our servers were never accessed we yeah that's the, unfortunate we patched the flaw and continue to work to strengthen our security so in general it's 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 an interesting quote i'll be very careful oh, yeah. about what i say yeah. here <laughs> but it's um it, i think it was meant to soften the blow around the three billion things being Hacked <laughs> the three billion things. <laughs> it's just three billion is quite a large number. I mean, one of the things, <laughs> one of the things that um, I think the register picked out um, quite recently, um, and I'll just see if I can get the the details up of it because I was I was digging into it um, a little bit earlier. Um, is that we've started to see a rash, haven't we, of um, hacks and breaches that have Im or identified vulnerabilities that have involved um, people and companies not securing AWS storage buckets oh, properly. Gosh, yeah. But that's been, I mean, what, three, four years yeah. now? I mean, this so, is just... So, but clearly we've got... It's like got, a trend you don't want to be part of. That's it. It's like, <laughs> clearly we've got a... Is it a lack of understanding or is it a lack of compliance in process that somehow we are not... You know what my favourite thing is lately, and, and I'm, again, going to be regurgitating it in my next couple of talks, tech debt. It is technical mm, debt. Yeah, 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 right. We are moving at the speed of, I don't know, I want to say light, but that just seems too cliche. But we're moving so quickly now, trying to embrace so many great technological advances, trying to meet customer demand, trying to bring all of these great capabilities to bear and into production, you know, in pursuit of the almighty buck. But at the same time, we're accumulating technical debt at a pace 
And I wish I had a stat around it. I yeah, mean, you can't right. measure technical debt. It just feels like yeah. we're accumulating yeah, yeah, yeah. technical debt at a pace that we've n- we've not done previously. And that, and for me, the the move to cloud, that huge kind of juggernaut drive, mm. the mm. like mega trend mm-hmm. towards cloud, sums that up really. Mm. That it was all about oh, we're going to enable you move to cloud, move to cloud, move to cloud. Yeah. Oh. Did we not tell you you were supposed to secure it as well? Well, yeah. Or did we not tell you about the ties, you know, still back into your legacy estate or your existing infrastructure or your, you know, the fact that cloud in and of itself is so amorphous and nebulous anyway. Lovely thing about cloud being the word that we use to describe cloud in that you way. You did some great, you did some great hand gestures. <laughs> those are, those were clouds. Those I would call those cumulus clouds, those. <laughs> well, maybe not that. She looks like she's juggling oranges. <laughs> And she's quite relieved that I only said juggling oranges. Uh, yeah, just then. that's definitely okay. So, come <laughs> shut her up. Hate you a little. Shut her hate up. you a little bit right now. <laughs> this is why we don't do this in person. Because um, I don't want to see oh, you juggling good, oranges. Good. See, like you that. wouldn't have commented Ever on that again. if you had been behind Ever your laptop. I don't. I, I can't unsee it. Quite frankly. <laughs> Christ. Oh, so I uh, f- completely forgot what I was ta- talking and waffling on about now. I Maybe we should you. stop. I blame you for should that we now. Should stop? Well, I, yeah, I kind of, yeah. I mean, I always have so much Great fun, piece, though, Kate. <laughs> Flackerty. Is that right? Oh, Flackerty. <laughs> Do you know what? Right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name one more name just because we can. Hey, Sean. So I've been told I don't say Sean's name properly, Sean John. I've been told I don't say her name properly. <laughs> Is it not Sean? See, my wife tried to teach me that. My wife is English, by the way. Tried to teach me this, and I was like, that's what I'm saying. And she said, no, you're saying Sean. And I was like, oh, that's what you're saying. Got to... <laughs> Getting a bit personal, aren't we? Sorry, sorry, Sean. So, S-H-A-R-N. That's what you need to R-N. imagine. Just imagine S-H-A-R-N, Sean. Interesting. Okay. See, she didn't tell me that. My wife, not Sean. And then, to be fair, that's probably not the proper Welsh pronunciation anyway. I just want to publicly apologise, Sean John, for mispronouncing your name every single time I've ever met you, apparently. If it helps any, I also can't say fairy properly, according to sources. Hang on. Is that... <laughs> this is what we is talked that about a mythical, Is that a mythical creature no, with wings? No, it's the thing that you cross or the water. It's the thing that you cross oh, the water on. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. If only we could cross the water on fairies. <laughs> That's brilliant. Oh, I can't. I can't. I just, this is it. That's, I, there are certain words I will never apparently be able to say properly. Tinkerbell, she'd have been quite upset if you'd have called her a tugboat. (laughs) She'd have been quite upset. Apparently it's the tugboats I'm calling fairies, so I don't know what's about. Fairy cross the mercy. (laughs) Excellent. I'm getting the fairy to France. We should definitely stop now. Yeah. Thank you, dear listeners, as always, for indulging us in our fits of silliness. They've, to be fair, we've gone on too long. They've turned off already. Oh, I don't We've not had really. a guest. And it, it's lit, and people are getting used to our wittering, so the novelty's wearing off. <laughs> it's completely We're going to have to... I think next time I will actually just film her hand gestures no, so no. you can see I what I see. I actually do have a list of people that want to be guests and have volunteered willingly to be guests. I know, we we're just, just not very organised, are we? We've potentially got a very, very exciting guest, haven't we, that we need to follow up on. Which one? A very... That? that we met a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. but we're not going to say anything. Okay, no, we don't have to. And you need to be trained and educated in quite how exciting she is as well. Okay. 
Oh yes, but yes. it's a but it's a secret. Okay. Yeah, that is definitely because we've got to, be... got to try and pull it off first. Yeah, you can make that happen. That would be pretty awesome. I've got I've got my action items. <laughs> Come on, I've written it down. Nothing like a nice teaser there to end the podcast. I know with. exactly. Thanks um, for that. Have a fab time, and um, we. Well, I was going to say we'll speak to you all soon. We we imagine you're talking back at us, or you're at least listening. <laughs> this is what your answering machine sounds like, isn't it? Thank you for calling. I'm not here today. Oh, so lovely to have you leave your message. How did you know that? <laughs> Hang, press the button. Bye-bye. <laughs> Push the button, Max.